welcome to the Green Shoots podcast by Apple Yard Leads, a conversation for those who own, manage or protect intellectual property. Mediation is a form of confidential alternative dispute resolution in which a neutral third party or mediator assists two parties to negotiate a settlement outside of court. In this episode, Apple Yard Leads partners and solicitors Bill Lister and Chris Hall discuss the benefits of mediation versus court proceedings and how mediation in intellectual property cases can differ to non-intellectual property cases. Bill and Chris, over to you. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Bill Lister. Bill is a partner firm with myself at Apple Yard Lees. Bill is a specialist IP litigator, but also an accredited Cedar Soul mediator. And I'm very excited to speak to Bill today about this. As I myself, I'm an IP litigator and trademark attorney, and I've had a handful of experience with mediation, but certainly not as much as Bill. And I'm really interested today to delve into the details with Bill about his experience of mediation uh, and the benefits of taking part in mediation and even perhaps some of the disadvantages. On that note, I'm going to hand over to Bill and I'm going to ask you the first question, Bill. What is your role as a mediator? Well, your role as a mediator is really to try and find some common ground between parties, to encourage parties to reflect on their cases and on their positions and the other side's position within an environment which is privileged, it's confidential, it's safe, and in particular, the parties themselves have complete control over. I mean, once you walk into a court, the parties have very little control over what happens thereafter. And certainly, when one leaves court with a judgment, uh, parties don't tend to shake hands afterwards. Whereas after mediation, that's quite a common outcome because a mediation can genuinely result uh, in a win-win situation for both parties at litigation without the sometimes astronomical costs involved. And that's something you hear quite frequently, isn't it? A possible win-win for both parties. And I think that's a really important phrase to keep in mind during any mediation. One of the points about mediation is that when solicitors are litigating, it's confined to letters or emails. It's dehumanised. Get them into a mediation and they are seeing the whites of each other's eyes, especially in a usual plenary session where both parties can eyeball each other and tell the other party exactly what they think of their case and of their own case for that matter. But once that happens, they start it starts to be humanised. They start to understand, actually, the party on the other side is a human being, just like us. They're business people, just like us. And then the way it worked is to try, in, in a plenary session, to try and get one party to say to the other exactly what they just said to me. And then they both almost organically and simultaneously understand the lunacy of that situation, because they start to understand that that's not going to be the case. And then you can break out again into private sessions. And at that point, you start to explore with the party by holding a metaphorical mirror up to their case so they can see their case warts and all, challenging them on this point, that point, the other point. How would you answer this point? What do you think they, other side, are going to say to that point? How would you answer some other point if that was put to you? And basically, you crash test their case. And having crash test their case with them, they get a better understanding of where the strengths are, but also where the weaknesses are. And they start to get a better, far better understanding of what their chances really are if they walk into a courtroom. And they're not as good as they, as they think they're going to be. And then once you've done that, you start exploring with them, well, okay, 
what would you want the other side to say to you? What sort of deal would you accept to walk away from this, given that we are going to hopefully end up with a deal today, but it may well not be a deal with which either party is completely thrilled. But so long as it's a deal with which both parties can at least live with it, rather than live for the next 6, 12, 18, even 24 months, with the worry, with the concern, and with the incredible expense, much irrecoverable, of, of litigation. You were saying that, Bill, about almost a bit, you know, playing devil's advocate as the mediator. And what I found interesting there is when you mentioned you'd be in a room and you know, not taking sides at all, but just asking questions about the legal analysis without any judgment and you know, almost it sounds like a mini practice of a hearing and saying well if you ended up here these are the sort of questions that might be put forward and how would you answer that the important thing is you're doing it in a safe environment an yeah, environment exactly. which is privileged which neither party can then shout across a courtroom aha but in our mediation six months ago, you said this, that, or the other. Can't do that. It's highly confidential. Unless the party expressly and specifically uh, instructs the mediator, that the mediator can pass that comment on to the other side. So it's, the parties can vent their anger. They can vent their feelings. I mean, I remember once doing a mediation where we'd be going for about six, seven hours. And after six, seven hours, I brought the parties back into a single ballroom again for a plenary session. And at that point, the finance director, of one of the part of the of the defendant party, leant back in his chair, leant forward, put his head in his hands, leant back again, and said, "I apologise. I am really, really sorry for what's happened here, and I'm sorry we've got to this position." It was that apology which unlocked it, and the mood changed immediately. And suddenly, they were talking like sensible businessmen rather than litigators, to try and work together to try and reach a solution, rather than negotiating by megaphone. And there's a lot of value in that, isn't there? There's a lot of value. Huge value. In humanising the dispute, isn't it? And a lot of passion can take over in legal proceedings. Um, and to put on that commercial hat can be very important. And you know, to, to actually be there, seeing the whites of the other party, they could go months without that and then end up at a hearing and you know spend tens or hundreds of thousands of pounds getting there. Whereas actually your role in that mediation is to bring the parties together and and to find again looking at that common ground. And that is that it's almost sounds like it's invaluable. And you can almost see that process of going through the hearing, starting off with both parties putting forward their position and then going off into different rooms, discussing it separately, uh, and then coming back together at some point um, with a view of trying to see if that you could move the issues forward at all. In litigation, whether it's in the High Court or the IPEC or the any Court, parties are required to make disclosure of often really quite sensitive commercial documents, which they don't want to disclose, either to the other side or at all. And if a document, as you know, is, is relied upon in evidence in court, it becomes a public document. And you, you might not want that document in the public arena. Or a company may not want evidence uh, coming out in court as regards uh, its commercial activities, as regards its commercial strategy, as regards possibly any internal problems within the company. And the beauty of mediation is there's no disclosure of documents at all, unless you particularly want to rely on a document uh, to support your own case. It's confidential. So 
no sensitive commercial information that you don't want out there is going to be made public. Given a court hearing is a public hearing, you can do you can do the whole thing privately within four walls of a room, and it will never get out of those four walls of, of a room. And at the end of the day, you you, you can settle this dispute. With a, if necessary, with a confidentiality agreement uh, to make the actual dispute itself, the fact of a settlement and the terms of the settlement themselves, all of them confidential. And the same would apply to the other side itself. Yeah, so looking at the very end of that mediation and the parties have kind of reached some form of agreement, are the parties bound by those terms, Bill? Uh, no one is bound by anything until, as it were, the fat lady sings. And the fat lady only sings when a- any agreement reached in the mediation is reduced to writing, normally by solicitors who, who, who might be in the mediation with the parties, and then signed off. And once it's signed off, you've then got a, a commercial contract, an agreement, and that's enforceable. Although nothing that happens beforehand is enforceable. Do you find that on the whole, Bill, that when you've done mediations, that it, once they have reached those heads of terms, they'll either come to a resolution of settlement or it'll take a little while longer, perhaps, but it's more likely that the matter will resolve prior to a hearing? There are two forms of ways of settling it in a mediation. One is by a hard copy signed agreement, which is a binding agreement, which no one can change their minds about because it's legally enforceable as an agreement. What happens in the mediation cannot be explored later. It's confidential and it's privileged. But but if somebody breaks the agreement, then, of course, that can be litigated in the normal way. It's just simply as a breach of contract. Now, some parties don't want to or don't feel they can uh, go into all the details uh, of a settlement in mediation. But at least they can agree heads of terms. They can agree that an agreement shall be reached and they can set out the framework of that agreement. Uh, it's it heads with an agreement that their solicitors shall use reasonable, but not even best endeavours to try and give effect to those heads of terms. From your experience as well, do you find that mediation in intellectual property cases differs to mediation in non-IP cases at all? Yes, very much so, because given, leaving aside the issues, uh, there are often legal issues in an IP case which have to be dealt with first. And if you've got a really complex, let's say, point of construction of a statute, or very often you, you might take a barrister with you just to argue with the other side's barrister about what, what the law is. And once you've got that out of the way, then you can move on to the actual mediation itself. But the real difference is that IP mediations can often result in settlements which are simply not available to uh, the court. A court's judgment is black and white. And normally it will involve the claimant receiving, if it wins, an injunction, order for delivery up of infringing products, uh, order for destruction of stock, order perhaps for dissemination of the judgment. Uh, then the claimant will have an inquiry as to damages or an account of net profits uh, subject to disclosure of sales and profit, etc., and costs. And it, it's very binary and the court has very, very limited, very standard way of dealing with the judgment. However, in a mediation, you can negotiate for whatever you want. And I started this podcast talking about a win-win because I've, I've had situations where in the mediation, the parties have agreed a distributorship agreement, uh, either an exclusive agreement, a solace agreement. And uh, the result is that one party then becomes the distributor of the other. 
and both parties are then making money out of the dispute. <laughs> and the profit they're both making out of the dispute over the course of the next 12, 24, 36 months or whatever it is, is more than paying for the cost to date. And also, more particularly, if the claimant is suing on its own registered rights, it's acquiring within the market a policeman to assist the claimant in enforcing those rights, because now its new distributor uh, has got as much interest as the claimant has in enforcing those rights. So it's an absolute win-win. I mean, I remember once doing a mediation where what the claimant was the market leader in a particular market, and the defendant was the number two in a, uh, in, in that particular mm-hmm. market, and in the, and they settled this dispute between these two parties simply by redrafting between them what would become new statutory regulations to control and police that market, obviously with advice from their respective solicitors uh, as regards competition legislation. But even that aside, they were then able to regulate the market to their own advantage, leaving aside competition law. The definition of mediate is to have the ability to, to compromise and to look at compromises, which you wouldn't necessarily have if that third party mediator wasn't there. I often liken a mediator to, uh, for the chemists amongst us, uh, uh, to a catalyst. A catalyst uh, is a compound which brings two other compounds together uh, to form a new compound without making any difference to itself. And that's what the mediator does. It brings the two together. uh, And out of those two, it produces something new. It produces a settlement, even if it's only um, conducting a Dutch auction between the two parties, which can only be done through a through an independent third party. Sometimes it can, down, it can get down to splitting the splitting the splitting the split. And again, by the time you get to that sort of level, then you need a third party to try and persuade another party, okay, split the difference or split the split. Or for God's sake, guys, you're so close to each other now, surely we can find some number between these two positions and then make the point to them, given that's the difference between you, what do you reckon it's going to cost you to get to court? And pose that question to both parties, and in particular, given the particular and specific rules of the Intellectual Property Enterprise Court, which the IP lawyers listening to this will know, has a a cap on the costs on liability of £50,000, subject uh, to stage cost caps being met, and need a cost cap on the quantum phase of £25,000. And so there's going to be a huge cost overlap for the privilege of getting to trial and winning. And and that segues nicely into the, so there are options available, you know, particularly in intellectual property disputes. And it'd be remiss of us not to talk, I suppose, a little bit about the UK Intellectual Property Office yes, and their of own course. mediation service. And I uh, use that mediation service uh, as in, in a dispute quite a number of years ago and actually had a good experience with it. But when you look at the statistics, the actual number of cases that handled seem reasonably low. I think a figure that I saw uh, that was disclosed via a freedom of information request in 2018 is that between 2013 and 2018, it conducted 26 mediations in total. That's just nothing, is it? It's not something I, I hear spoken of very often, I suppose, even within the profession. But it is a service that's available. It's very cost effective by the looks of things, particularly when you're subject to caps in the IPEG. And it's a question, isn't it, perhaps to be raised, you know, and something to be looked into a little bit more detail as to why are the numbers so low, given that mediation can be such a, a valuable tool. In many disputes, you can't 
preempt mediation, I suppose. You don't know you're going to end up in a, a wrangle with another party. But can uh, the parties preempt mediation by adding something into a contract bill? And uh, what would be your advice there? Uh, yes, that's very common. I've seen in many license agreements a, a mediation clause. That is, the parties agree that they shall make bona fide attempts to mediate any dispute arising out of the agreement and uh, shall, within 28 days, appoint a mediator and, in the event of failure to agree and to appoint a mediator, of course, mediating is appointed by both of them, agree both of them, uh, to appoint one of the mediation providers, such as Cedarsolve, or in place of Strife, or one of the others, to nominate a mediator for that purpose. That then means the parties are then contractually bound to mediate. Now, I've never seen a case where a party has refused to do that, and what the damages, what damages might be provable to flow from such a breach, but it at the very least seriously concentrates their mind to mediate um, and at least saves them the huge expense then uh, of uh, unnecessarily litigating a dispute, which might quite easily be resolved once the parties get in the same room together. From experience, one aspect of that, which I think is often quite important, is to draft into that when that mediation will take place. Uh, normally, normally it's within thirty within thirty days of notifying a dispute to the other side. Then the yep. parties uh, will use bona. Uh, and you always have to have in bona fide attempts. Yeah, absolutely. And prior to litigation as well, often. So yeah. it's that obligation yeah. to ensure that I have found um, that where there is some ambiguity between uh, whether it's prior to litigation or post litigation, uh, that it is important to have it in the clause that you intend to do it prior to it um, uh, commencing court proceedings. And again, gives that additional level of certainty. So I think, Bill, we've touched on a lot of points there with mediation. Yes. And the summary that I am certainly coming away with here is that mediation is, is an element of a dispute that everyone should always consider, at least during the proceeding at some point. The advantages are clear. There's potential strategic advantages. There are commercial advantages, costs advantages, but there are a few negatives to it. It's certainly an aspect that both solicitors, and I think we have that responsibility, don't we, to, to raise it yes. as an option that's available to the client and to explain to them as well from our own experiences and understanding of it why that can help the parties in resolving disputes rather than spending a lot of money a lot of time getting through to court proceedings when actually that day in the room could help them reach a commercial resolution which is a win-win for both parties and not to mention not just the financial side but also the stress the anxiety uh, the personal pressures of litigation itself and it could help bring that to a close much earlier on and hopefully our, our listeners have found that helpful and i'd just like to say a, a huge thank you to you bill for spending that time with us today my pleasure and uh, sharing your experience as a cedar solve mediator and um, that's been very very helpful bill so uh, thank you very much okay chris thank you thank you for listening to this episode of the green shoots podcast by apple yard leagues if you have a question or topic suggestion, please email us at ip at appleyardleys.com or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at appleyardleys.com.